0: So a couple of weeks ago, Paul came up to me, not a couple weeks ago, a couple of months ago, Paul came up to me at Wheaton College, and he asked me, he was like, Justin, I want you to come speak uh, at Cornerstone Church. And I was like, ha yeah, right, you're, jo- <laughs> you're joking. And uh, he was serious, and uh, so at first I said, um, Paul, you know, you know my fear of public speaking, of getting in front of people, um, like, I'm going to have to say no, and he was like, He's like, that is a terrible reason. He's like, he's like, do not, do not trust that like God will sustain you through that. And I was like, he got me there. <laughs> um, so he said, he said, before you, before you go ahead and write it off and say no, um, he said you need to find a better reason and get back to me. And uh, so I was just, um, throughout my time at Wheaton, um, I mean, there's just it's all around me of like why we need to um give a like why we need to share our stories. And in 1 Peter 3:15 it says, um be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give them the reason for the hope that you have. So I feel like that was a great reason to sh- to come up here and share today. Um in addition, I was just encouraged by other people on campus getting in front of people and sharing their own stories. Um So that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to share my story and uh, parts of it, at least, and then share some fundamental truths um, that God has revealed to me um, through his word and through personal experiences that I've gone through. Um, But before we start, let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for the great and amazing love that you have for us. We thank you, God, that you sustain us in difficult times, and you pour out your blessings upon us. God, I pray that you would work and move in this place today, and that you would be glorified in all things. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I have it down, I've narrowed it down to four fundamental truths that I've learned um, throughout my time, throughout my life, I guess. Um, The first one is God made you. The second one is God knows you. The third one is God loves you. And the fourth is that God sustains you, and we are called to live in that sustaining grace. Um, But first, let me talk about the reason that I needed to hear these truths, to know these truths, and the significance of these truths. Um, So a big theme in my life that that I've always struggled with is identity. What is my ident- identity? What do I find? What and where do I find my worth in? And I found growing up that I had this great desire, a terrible desire, for acceptance. I always wanted to be accepted, and I thought that if only people would accept me, that I would um, experience joy and happiness. Um, so growing up, I would try all these different ways to achieve um. Acceptance. Um, so I would try, like, trying to be funny. Um, but you know, when you try too hard, people just um, like nervously laugh, and um, you become the uh, the the outlier instead of like the funny person. So that didn't work for me. Um, so then I switched to the high achiever or the um, the good Christian. Um, so in at school, I would. So, like, all I did was, um, like, I focused all my energy into getting, like, really good grades at school, uh, achieving and, like, like doing the best and, like, being smarter than people, I guess. Um, and also, like, I had this spirit of, like, self-righteousness and, um, and my faith was that of legalism. Like, I would just... Um, Take what the scripture said, and that, like I would follow it specifically. And if I saw someone um, going against what scripture says, like I would hardcore like judge them. Um, but it was funny because I was ignoring what the scripture said, and while judging people um, and condemning others, I myself is the, I myself was the one to be condemned. Um, so I put my identity and other things as well at this time, such as, like, uh, appearance and uh, the appearance that I was confident in front of people at school. Um, so around my freshman or sophomore year of high school, I was in one of my classes, and I was, uh, we had to do these, like, sentences in front of the class, and this teacher was known for, like, humiliating people in front of class, if they didn't know what to do, and I was very confident that I was going to get through it because I was a high achiever and I was very smart. Um, but there was something I missed when I was correcting the sentence, and I didn't know how to explain it. And he um, just drilled into me and like humiliated me in front of the entire class. And so it was. It was then that my um, that my. Confidence that I thought I was showing to other people broke down, and like people saw me in my insecurity. And um, and it was kind of the beginning of uh, the breakdown of my false identity um, because my false sense of confidence was exposed. Um, Around this time, as well, God started working within me, and He gave me a great awareness of my sin. Before I was judging people and condemning them for their for their sins, but for once um, God gave me the grace to look within myself, and I was able to see um, through my own sinfulness how like wretched of a man I was um, and so i couldn't ignore my sinfulness anymore i couldn't put blame off onto other people so then my my identity of high achievement and the good Christian broke down because of this awareness. Um, I found myself, like, how could I deserve God's grace when I am this sinful? Also around this time, like, I had difficult things going on in my life. Um, My parents had separated, um, and there was this other just deep, root deep things going on with me. But as I look back at this time, I see it as the time where God was cultivating me. He was uprooting my weeds and my thorns and preparing me for real growth. Um, so in Mark four, in Mark four we taught it's the parable of the sower. So I'll just briefly um, read through some of these. So Mark four three through nine is Jesus' parable of the sower. Uh, so I'll read that real quick. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across the field, some of the seed fell on footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns and grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they spouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, Anyone with ears should hear and listen and understand. Later, Jesus explains the parable, and I'll just jump to the one verse that spoke directly to me. Um, In verse 18, he says, uh, The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word but all too quickly the message is crowded up by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. I was the seed that fell among the thorns. Um, I had desire for other things, such as acceptance um, from others and affirmation from others. Um, and these these were the desire. like, that's what I desired. So, um, my focus of uh, the acceptance and love of God was, um, was it just wasn't there because of um, I was a seed among the thorns with these desires. Um, but at this time, too, the Lord began to encourage me, um, and the Lord just <laughs> overwhelmed me with, with his faithfulness. Um, and around this time, we had, um, like, I know the Campbells. The Campbells um, gave us their truck to use for a while, and that was like a huge like blessing for us. Um, <clears throat> as well, Harry Nielsen shared a story with me and my and my family as well about how God was so faithful, um, and just about how it was about how. Um, I don't know if it was her story or a story she heard, but she talked about how um, they would sit around their dinner table and there'd be no food, um, and their mom and her mom had pre- uh, had all of these. Like the table was set, and they would get angry because they had no food, and they're like, "Mom, why are you set the table?" And she's like, "The Lord is faithful; He will always provide." Um, and so they would they would pray over the meal that they didn't have, and thank God for uh, the food that he would provide. Um, and she said that every time that happened, the, someone would knock at the door or ring the doorbell, and someone would be there with food. <laughs> and I was just so encouraged by that. And Karen Nielsen was, said, the Lord is faithful and he will always provide. Around this time, there was a missions trip to... <laughs> Philadelphia, Pennsylvania that um, I wanted to go on and I knew that God was like leading me to go to this. Unfortunately, I didn't have enough money and um, my parents didn't have enough money. um, But I was encouraged to pray that God would provide (laughs) and our family prayed and Paul Paul, excuse me um, Paul approached me later, like right before the due date, I believe, of the mission trip, and he said, "He's like, um, someone has come up to me, and someone has paid for your entire mission trip. It's provided for. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming it was someone in this church, and I just want to thank you because that was <laughs> <a> huge encouragement. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, God really wanted me to go to this trip in in Pennsylvania." Um, and I went to Pens- I went to Philadelphia and I was put in a group of all girls. <laughs> I was the only guy, and I was like, "This could be good or bad <laughs> um, And it turned out it was a good thing. Um, I experienced for the first time in my life complete uh, love and acceptance from the group that I was placed in um, I was just I was affirmed in who I was and uh, it was a construction job, and I w- worked construction with some guys here at the church. Been very thankful for that, um, and so I had construction experience. Um, so people would come to me, and I would help them. I would help them out, and I was just affirmed in who I was. Also, on this trip, there was a there was a girl who um, had this like radiated this positivity and this love for Jesus. And it was there that I, that I saw and realized that um, someone my age, I was like a sophomore, junior in high school, um, it was possible to truly love Jesus and to be in love with Jesus. And I came back from that mission trip jealous of like the joy that she had. Um, so I came back and started reading the Bible. Because um, I wanted to have that joy that she had. So I started reading the Bible, like, daily, like 30 minutes a day, something like that. Um, and while reading the Bible constantly, there was times when I just, reading the Bible was a huge chore. Um, and it was difficult for me to continue reading. But then there were other times where God came and met me. Um, he gave me a hunger for the word at times. Um, and he spoke, like, just spoke directly to my heart. Um, in one specific instance, I remember reading uh, in First Peter chapter five, um, chapter six and seven. It says, "So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time He will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares for you." Um, so as I read this, I asked myself, what are my worries and what are my fears?" My fear was that I would never be accepted. I think one of the greatest fears that we all have is that we would be fully known, and in our being fully known by others, um, we'd be rejected, and we would not be loved. That was my fear. So I was supposed to give this to God. In addition, um, I think think Satan, uh, oftentimes, he whispers to us, just like small little proddings of like you're not lovable, you're not capable of being loved. And these are things that I listened to for a really long time. Um, and as I read first Peter chapter 5 verse six and seven um, I was reminded of Peter in denying Christ three times. and I wonder I wondered if perhaps, um, Peter believed the same thing like um, like oh I'm, I denied Christ three times like I'm worthless um, I'm, I'm, I'm unlovable um, perhaps these are things that he thought I'm not really sure but that's something that came to my mind um, but after, it's interesting that after Christ rose to the dead Christ went straight to Peter in John chapter 21 verses 15 through 17 um he says, this is where Jesus challenges Peter. He says, after, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Jesus, uh, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated this question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know that I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. So this passage might be, might and probably is, about, um, about Peter's call to evangelism. Um, but the Lord spoke to me, and he revealed to me um, this passage as... Um, as Jesus reaffirming Peter, forgiving him of his sins, and reaffirming him of the love that he had for him. In a similar way, Christ spoke to me when I read that passage in 1 Peter. Um, In a way, he was reminding me of his complete and perfect love that he has for me. Um, Each time I read 1 Peter um, 5-7, I heard Jesus speaking to me, not audibly in my mind, um, but I heard Justin, I know you and I love you. I know you and I love you. I know you and I love you. Three times <laughs> I heard this, um, and I was just filled with complete joy and, and love, and, um, and Psalm 139 came to my mind as well. Um, And it just talks about, in Psalm 139, it says, "O Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything that I do. You know what I'm going to say, even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. Later in verse how precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? They cannot be numbered. I cannot even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. So the Lord just sang out his his love and his um, complete joy and delight that he has in me. And I was just re- I was reaffirmed um, by his love so greatly. Um, and during this time, I felt a complete joy and confidence for the first time. And then I was reminded of a passage in 1 John 4, um, which says, And God has given us a spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God. God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence, because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. If I were afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. So perfect love casts out all fear. I realized that the reason that I was experiencing confidence and joy was because I was experiencing for the first time God's perfect love. And because God's perfect love casts out all fear, I no longer had to be, had to be fearful of people accepting me um, and finding affirmation from others because God himself was affirming me. In verse 17 of that passage, though, 1 John four, seventeen, 17, um, right before that, it says, and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So what does it mean to live in God? Um, I think what f- from what I've experienced and from uh, what I've learned, um, to live in God is is a daily constant um, nourishment from him, a dependence on him. So, uh, so one thing that I think is important is to always remember his faithfulness. In Psalm 136, um, the whole chapter, I'm not going to read it, but the whole chapter is dedicated to, um, it's a call and response. Um, and it, it would have been read, I believe, in front of a church and they say stuff like, um, Give thanks to the gods of gods, his faithful love endures forever. Um, give thanks to him alone who does mighty miracles, his faithful love endures forever. His faithful love endures forever is repeated throughout um, each passage of Scripture there, each line of Scripture. Um, at the end it says, He remembered us in our, in our weakness, his faithful love endures forever. He saved us from our enemies, his faithful love endures forever. He gives food to every living thing. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His faithful love endures forever. So here we see the people of God remembering God's faithfulness. But not only do they remember his faithfulness, they give thanks and praise to God for his faithfulness. Um, I think that's important to remember. In addition to that, I think it's important that we are fed daily with His Word. In Exodus chapter sixteen, um, we see the passage where where Jesus feeds the Israelites with manna. Um, now I don't exactly know the significance of this, but what I've gathered from it is that, like, I see our spiritual lives as like manna in the wilderness. Um, in chapter, yes, chapter sixteen, um, verses sixteen through eighteen, it says, "These are the Lord's instructions. Each, each household should gather as much as it needs. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent." So the people of Israel did as they were told. Some gathered a lot, some only a little. But when they measured it all out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. So we see here the collecting of the manna, there was a daily, like, going to God um, and trusting that He would provide. Um, So, yeah, I asked myself, like, why were they only allowed to collect enough for each day? Um, And I think it attests to our daily need for God. So often we want to gorge ourselves spiritually, like, read (laughs) hours, like, when I haven't been in the Word, I want to, like, oh, I'll jump back in. I'll read, like, two hours of Scripture today, and then I'll be good. So I gorge myself with the Scripture, and then the next day, like, I have no strength or energy to even continue reading His Word. And I think it's, like, with physical food, too. Like, um, if, we go, if we go one day without feeding ourselves with physical food, we're going to be hungry. If we go an entire week, we're going to be really hungry. If you go without food for like two weeks, we're going to be starving. And I think it's similar in that like, our spiritual life, physical, emotional, are all connected. And I think that if we go without feeding ourselves spiritually by spending time daily in God's word, we're going to be starving spiritually. Um, and that's something I've noticed. Um, uh, I, for spring break, we went to Flor- I went to Florida with some friends. We had a great time. Um, but I didn't spend any time in God's Word. I came back, and I was, like, very depressed and uh, just feeling very se- insecure to myself. And I wondered, like, why is this? Why is this? Well, I took a vacation from reading God's Word, which is like starving myself for an entire week. <laughs> so I came back and found myself in complete brokenness because I was spiritually starving. So I wonder, are you... Are you guys feeding yourself spiritually each day? Are you allowing God to pour out his blessings on you daily? So by spending time in his word, remembering God's faithfulness, and sharing our lives with one another, we are better able to live in God, just as the verse in 1 John 4, chapter 4, verse 17 says, to live in God and to grow in his perfect love. And remember that as we live in God, His love becomes more perfect, and perfect love casts out all fear. So in conclusion, to sum this all up, I want to again remind you of these truths. First one, God made you. The God who created the universe, all the planets that are in it, who created our planet, who created your family, your friends, your sons, your daughters. This is the same God who made you. Number two, God knows you. God knows you better than you can possibly know yourself. He knows you better than your parents can know you, your, your spouse can know you, your brother or sister. He knows you better than anyone. He knows you in all your weaknesses and all your shortcomings. He knows the good and the bad. He knows you completely. Perfectly. Third, God loves you. God the creator of the universe, the one who knows you completely in all of your faults and imperfections and shameful deeds. This is the same God who loves you. Perfectly, actually. He loves you so perfectly that you don't have to be afraid of sin. You don't have to be afraid of rejection. We don't need to be fearful of anything because God loves us perfectly and perfect love casts out all fear. And finally, God sustains you. God sustains you. But just as the Israelites in the wilderness um, were given manna, God supplied them with manna each day, but the Israelites had to actually physically go and pick up the manna and collect it and, and use it for that day. In the same way, we need to go... Uh, and not just expect that God will sustain us, but we need to go and um, pick up the manna, our spirit, feed ourselves spiritually with his word daily. It's not something that he just gives to us. He gives to us, but it requires us to, to have an action, to act because of that. Also, I would encourage you to share your lives with one another. Um, it wasn't until college, actually, <laughs> actually, that I had conversations about spirituality and faith uh, with fellow believers. That's something I wish that was more evident in our church, as this daily reminder of God's faithfulness, of ways that God has um, worked in our lives. At college, I love college and, the dorm, and dorm life because uh, we talk about it as a place where we allow others to share their stories, And in turn, we are able to share ours. it's a a give and take, a listen, and a telling. So I would encourage you all to, uh, to try that out more often, to share your stories, to listen to those stories, to see these as great blessings from God, to strengthen and encourage our fellow believers. So finally, I want to read Paul's prayer for spiritual growth as a blessing over all of you to close it out. Uh, Found in Ephesians three, chapters verse sixteen. So when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything on heaven and earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through the Spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ that is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made perfect, complete, with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all the glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen.
1: How deep the Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure That He should give His only Son And make Wretch his treasure, how great the pain of searing loss, the Father turns his face away, as wounds which mar the chosen one, bring many sons to glory. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me to